You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We'll take a glass together and we will lift it to the good life. This is Equity One, Broadway's happy hour. Pour yourself a drink and join us as we chat about life, theater, and and everything in between. I'm Elliot Maddox. And I'm Caleb Dickey. Join us for your Equity One. Cheers! Cheers! (laughs) I know. (laughs) Caleb is starting this day off right. That's Um, how we do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I wished I were uh, t- cheersing a beer right now, but I just have way too much to do today. Yeah, fair. So I confident. love that I appropriately cheers with my Berkshire Theater Group mug. Yes, just so happened to be. I was like, oh. Now is that is that the company mug? Is it at the table? Like, is it labeled? Yeah. Well, this looks like this is a. This was in 2018 when they apparently were celebrating their 90th year. Ah. as a theater company. It's so it's been in my house. It's been in my company housing and I've been using it. <laughs> 92. I, I, this reminds me of, uh, Caleb, this reminds me of Oslo, right? Where everyone uh, at the Oslo Repertory Theater in Florida, everyone has like random ass mugs like yeah. labeled for you. Like, and there's um, the weirdest mugs just at the theater. You get, yes. I had a, like a good, um, paisley one for i forget what the decal on it was but like classic good stuff yeah i've worked at companies like that where they do like random mismatched mugs and they just label your name it's fun yeah it's fun but also like i get mug envy of like if someone has like a bigger (laughs) mug or like a cuter mug i'm like yeah why the arbitrary assigning like (laughs) you know like it just doesn't seem fair well um welcome to this week's episode of equity one broadway's happy hour uh, I'm Elliot. And I'm Caleb. Welcome. And today we are sitting down with a dear friend. Uh, we're so excited to have him on the show. Mike Wartella. Hey, bud. Hi, buddy. How are you? I'm good. It's so nice to see you. I know. Truly. Truly. Yeah. And uh, you're currently working on the like only show in the world that's happening. Just, just that statement, you're currently working. <laughs> I'm like, what's, what's happening right now? Yeah. But you're you're Absolutely. at in the Berkshires yeah. doing Godspell right now, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, we're gonna dig into all that later. Um, Can't wait. 
but we want to, we, uh, how have you been since March? <laughs> like what's been going on? Yeah. I mean, boy, such a good question, right? I mean, everybody's been different. So many people I've talked to and my experience has been very strange because to be really honest, it's been mixed. It's been both obviously incredibly negative and sad and depressing and infuriating, um, but also slightly positive in some ways because I um, try when I can to sort of lean on the, the hopeful sort of positive things in life. And uh, it, when this started, let's say pandemic, pre-like movement, right? It, it was scary and terrifying, but it was also a chance to slow down for not just me, but kind of everybody. And I felt like I really felt that in a positive way where I got to spend more time with my family. I got to check in with myself about my career and my ego and what I was doing this for and why and let a lot of that go. Um, and really like be with myself and connect to the planet and a higher good and like all that cliche stuff. But it really, really was happening, you know, and I was able to just slow down and breathe. Um, and then, you know, as things picked up and got crazy, it became scary. It became really maddening and scary and upsetting. Um, and, you know, this is not new information to us, any of this stuff, but when it comes to a head, I feel like that's when things get nuts. You know what I mean? And um, it's just a weird world we live in. I keep saying to friends of mine that like, I think our generation has been lucky and a little bit spoiled in that we haven't been living through any, any, history points as big as this. Like our parents lived through the 60s and 70s. Our grandparents lived through the Great Depression, you know, yeah. and world wars and all that, but we haven't. So to see it, to be in it, to not know what's coming next, to think about the next 10 years, it's a little terrifying. And yet at the same time, I said to someone today, you know, they also survived most of them, you know, like we'll yeah. make it um, and we'll learn mm -hmm. from it and hopefully grow in a big, big way. So I don't know. I've just been doing what we're all doing, trying to reassess my own life and see how I can be of greater service to this world. Well, it's literally like a, a day by day kind of deal. You're like, how am I feeling today? How can I make it the best today? And then not worry about yeah. tomorrow until that arrives. Yeah. And the balance of like, how do you keep your own internal world, your roommates, your friends, your family, your partners, okay. But then how do you also balance that with being a, a bigger part of the community? You know, whatever that is globally country everything you know yeah well i think that yeah. you know there's the the kind of adage right that that is like um think globally act locally exactly and so it's yeah. like it's hard right now because i think we all want we all want to like we all really want to act globally yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but everyone has to do that on their own yeah time their own volition like that's the the challenge right now Big time. And in all honesty, that has been, I think, a great way to put it. Um, you know, I have a, an 11 year old son and there's been a lot of this stuff happening in the home. We're like even just like tiny, tiny, minute things that I haven't realized have slipped under the radar. From this year on, I'm like, no more. We're done. It's done. You know, like I don't even want you taking things for granted or copying an attitude about this or that. Like I, I'm, I'm parenting differently from this point on because... I'm just seeing how important that is. I feel like to set up the next generation and his friends, like I hear his friends play and I'll jump online on the call and be like, Hey guys, we can't, we can't be talking like this. You know what I mean? And they'll get weird and embarrassed. <laughs> but I'm like, sorry, sorry about it. Like we gotta, we gotta grow, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you're supposed to do as a dad is like pop in and, and be awkward and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Did you get to um, spend any extra time with, were you with your family while everything yeah. shut down? Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know when we last caught up, but um, so, you know, I have, I have Hunter, who's now going to be almost 12 in a month, and my ex-wife, his mom, April, um, who we've been friends now for years, ever since we split, and they've been living in Austin, Texas for most of these past few years, and they finally this year moved back to New York, like last August 2019. Mm-hmm. So um, instead of getting a bunch of apartments and spending all that money, we decided to live together. So we're living in a three-bedroom apartment apartment with me, my son, and my ex-wife, just as like roommates and some kind of crazy <laughs> amazing. sitcom. Yeah. Uh, but it's been great. It's been amazing. So we were, you know, we've been living together this whole time and actually kind of really grateful that we've had each other to lean on and support. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's so important. To, <clears throat> it's so nice to have that kind of system there mm-hmm. especially in a time when like you can't leave your house you, your your normal kind of support systems are looking yeah. different um True. how how's hunter doing i mean is he starting up school like is is what's his life he looking is, like right now? he he obviously closed out the year doing like online learning which was fairly painless but had its own set of um challenges and then this year you know they have the option some of them in school to either go like in person half the time or just do the whole thing at home. And the three of us just opted to do the entire thing at home. Cause I sort of also have a hunch that in a couple months, it's all going to be from home again. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, so he starts in a week, he starts school and it doesn't feel like school. It doesn't feel like he's really yeah. starting anything is the problem. I think as a kid, it's really hard for them to focus when they're not in school and as parents, it's a wild situation because now we're all literally thrust into homeschooling our children, whether we chose to or not, you know? Right. Um, And again, pros and cons, like it's been really, really great to have that much interaction with him. And it's actually helped our relationship. All of us get closer because we have to really help each other together, but it's also really, really challenging and annoying and a pain in the ass. And like mine and her lives are sort of like shot during that time of day. And, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. well, this is what we're doing. It's uh, a lot. It's also like, when was the last time I did a long division uh, math? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, truly, <laughs> truly. I mean, that, that happens all the time. We're, we'll, we'll both be stumped on something and like texting the teacher being like, we're confused. And she's like, well, it's in the video. And I'm like, I watched the video. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, it's wild. Yeah. Like I did not sign up to go back to middle school. No. Truly. No, <laughs> no one. No one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we, we yeah. start every interview usually by asking our guests what first got them interested in the arts when they were, when they were young. So um, hmm. what kind of first? <laughs> well, um, great question, Ellie. Uh, <laughs> the actor's studio. Um, yeah, I yeah. know, really. Uh, it's funny. You know, it's actually really funny. I don't know if you know this, but so the show that I'm doing right now at Berkshire Theater Group in the Berkshires in Massachusetts is my hometown. Like I grew up in the Berkshires. Cool. And, um, and my mother still works at this theater. She's the house manager of the theater. And uh, yeah, so it's bringing back a lot of memories. I got into theater here in this community. I started kind of young. My parents were both doing shows on the sort of like non-equity local scene. 
And so I was doing Tiny Tim and a Christmas Carol from the time I was three years old, like in these theaters, never at this particular theater group, but at, at other local ones. And then it kind of got serious for me. Like I did school plays and I did stuff in school. I think I sort of instantly became the theater guy and the class clown mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I'm a lot shorter than a lot of dudes. And so it was a place for me to fit in. And I just felt like this is a way for me to have a thing. Like every kid tries to identify themselves in school. And I loved it. There was something about it, about performing and telling stories and, and being that free and kind of wild that was so appealing to me. But it was just a hobby through most of school until I was 14. And then because we're so close to New York in the Berkshires, a bunch of friends and I went down to New York to see Rent at the time on Broadway. And we sat in the front row and like jaw open, you know, just watching it in, in you know, complete shock and awe. And I had already loved musical theater at that point, but I was also kind of a folk rocker at heart. My parents were both folk singers growing up and all that. And so to see the combination live and to see, I thought to myself, if I could do that and get paid for it, then I'm in heaven, you know? And so once I realized that that existed in that capacity, I just really started taking it seriously. And, you know, everything I did at school, I mean, luckily in the Berkshires, it's not just like you get to do your high school musical. There are, I think over 10 established theater companies here within one hour of each other in a community. And they all have school programs and arts and education programs. You know, we did um, Shakespeare and company has a program that we all did every year, starting in ninth grade where we do a full Shakespeare play. Um, A Barrington stage has their youth theater that I did for years and years. Every summer I would do their musicals. So I was doing a lot of stuff and sometimes even getting paid for it in high school, which was such a gift. Um, so I started taking it seriously and then applied to theater schools and ended up going to circle in the square theater school when I was 18 for two years and then started auditioning and kind of the rest was from there, but yeah, it's wild. Well, I mean, it's so, it's must've been really exciting, you know, talk about full circle when you were like dead for rent being like, if I can do that, then I'm in heaven. So you've been to heaven. How, what was it? What was it? What what was, uh, what was that kind of like full circle moment? I mean, we, we have all kinds of those. You're having one now that those like always happen in theater. So like, yes, well, it's bizarre. I mean, the the truth is, and I'm sure you know this, like it's never, when you're a kid, you fantasize and you make up stories in your head about how it's going to go. And it never goes the way you think it's going to go for good or bad. It's just different, you know? And so I've done a lot of things that I said as a kid, I wanted to do, but they've happened differently than I thought. So rent's a good example. I told myself, I actually never tell this story because it's embarrassing. But when I was, when I was 17, the day I was moving to New York, I like packed my stuff in my car, drove down to New York. And as I'm driving to New York, I was like talking in my head and going, okay, so all right, so here we go. So theater school, so two years of school. And then by the time I'm 20, I'll just be playing Mark and Rent on Broadway. Like that's what'll happen. And like, it was just like factual lineage. I was like, that's what we're gonna do. Um, Had no idea what it's really like, of course. Sure. So on one hand, the fantasy was that, right? And the reality ended up being me at 25, like, you know, five years professionally auditioning, seven years in the city finally getting this off-Broadway revival version of Rent in the ensemble. And so it was like different. It wasn't by any means a disappointment. It was incredible, but it was just like different than I had pictured. And I didn't think I'd be playing those roles and what was I going to do with them. And, but it was also like Michael Greif directed it. 
And so a lot of the creative team was there from the original and that was an amazing experience. Um, but it was really, I mean, the truth is it was really amazing. Like it was that total full, full circle thing. I soaked up every moment. It's to date, like still one of the shows that I ran it for a little over a year and I never got bored. Like there was probably one or two Sunday matinees ever where I was like, oh, I'm kind of tired today. Yeah. And even those days, as soon as it was like, I was like, I'm in. It just became so exciting. And so like, it was like living my childhood high school dreams every day. And yeah, it was cool. And I also, it was the only show, is that right? It was the only show where I covered. So I had to cover Mark and Angel, which was a totally new experience for me and really, really scary, but really fun. And I went on for both a bunch, um, which is cool. Cause then you could like pop into all these different roles. You play your ensemble track every time and you know this, and then you'd like pop onto yeah. a different role mm-hmm. and then pop back. Like it was exciting. And, and it was also a little bit of, I mean, I think it was the most professional thing I had ever done at that point and sort of the closest to Broadway. And so as we know, most of us have this self doubt that creeps in all the time. And for years in, in New York auditioning, not booking jobs, I was like, well, I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough to be on Broadway and that's how it is. And so getting this show kind of helped me establish <clears throat> for myself, oh, I think I could do this. I think maybe I am at the caliber where I could do this. And it kind of snowballed from there. And I'm sure it was uh, uh, a thing of my confidence being boosted from getting the job, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was really special. So what was the process of like, getting cast in this Godspell, like was there audition or was it like direct offer and you just went or like, how did this come right. about? No, I actually auditioned for this one, um, which was probably all for the best because like, it, you know, it is my hometown theater. I do have a relationship with the artistic Nepotism, director. Nepotism, yeah. My yeah. yeah, I was like, it's yeah. good that I like audition. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I did, I just did a quick self tape. They were, they started casting this thing a long time ago because it was always going to be a part of their season. Mm-hmm. And then even when, you know, quarantine started, they stopped for a minute, but they thought, well, maybe there's a way we can do this. We don't know yet. You know, the thing about the Berkshires, one of the reasons we're able to do this here is because it's so far removed from any kind of major metropolitan area. It's very rural, it's very liberal. And so therefore it's taking this disease very seriously. Mm -hmm. And there are at the moment, zero documented cases anywhere in the county. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a... (laughs) 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 Um, that's a combination of, you know, it being such a small population, but also how seriously everyone takes it to prevent it. Um, The way everyone wears masks and cleans at the grocery store and everything. So, but as this was rolling along point is they were casting it and they just weren't sure. So they had like half of their cast already starting in like February. And then they just stopped casting for a while. And then as they got, working on realizing that they could probably do it outdoors under a tent in a certain way they started revamping their casting and it was like may may or june that i just got an appointment saying can you self-tape a quick thing for this and i did sort of reluctantly being like is this even going to happen like this isn't a real thing i bet you know but hey it's my hometown theater of course you know and then i got the offer almost immediately which was very cool and then, and then almost immediately after that, it was this question of, are we going to do it? Like they said, hey, listen, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> and then at a certain point in June, it was like, no, it's not, it's not happening. We can't do it. And we were like, okay. And then like oh, two weeks later, they were like, well, hold on. 
we're getting new information from equity, just kind of hang tight. And I was like, well, I'm not going anywhere, you know? <laughs> um, sure. And literally it ended up being like a week and a half before we started rehearsals that they called and said, okay, it's official. We're on, you're coming. Here's the rules. We just sent you the 2757 page manual, whatever it was um, that describes the protocol on stage, off stage, housing, everything, you know, and, uh, and yeah, we had to kind of, kind of look at it. Everyone, I feel like for their own self had to decide, is this something I want to do? Is this something I feel safe doing? Um, but it, I mean, we do feel safe. It's a pretty yeah. amazing thing. Especially that yeah. quickly, like it seemed, it must've felt like, you know, yeah. go time really. Like, it, Yeah, it was, it was like, uh, and you know, and originally too, we were supposed to have four and a half weeks of rehearsal. We ended up having a week and a half before tech. Oh like wow. Three days of tech. So it went from being this like regional theater experience to like summer stock. Like yeah. It was like very quickly shifted. Um, yeah. It's been wild. What if, what have been some of the, the main big drastic differences like okay yeah in the process <laughs> um so i mean look the biggest one i would have to say is that it's very contactless do you know what i mean the whole situation we we really don't come within six feet of each other ever on stage we occasionally will cross paths and stuff but we wear masks when we do it and it's just to change scenery or to move to a different location. Um, for the most part, we are in this production at these home bases, like little kind of chairs and things around the stage that are planted six feet away from each other. And we interact that way, or we do a lot of it out to the audience as if we're looking at each other that way. And that sort of Brechtian device. Um, so the biggest difference is just like all your impulses and instincts as an actor on, oh, I'll cross here. and Oh, I'll touch this person on the arm and, and then we'll hug and then, oh, and then I'll, you know, I'll turn my back on them. And like all these things that you're used to doing to tell the story, you can't do any of them. Mm -hmm. And so it also, this is a perfect show to do it with because a yeah. lot of this show is about Jesus sitting there being like, now, nah, let me tell you a story. And you all kind of listen, you know, and in a lot of versions, you act it out while he tells the story. And we are doing a version of that. Um, but we've also simplified it almost kind of like, like a la that Oklahoma revival at Circle, you know, where someone said, like, let's really turn it on its head and read the text and hear what's happening in the text and tell a clean story and not focus so much on all the, the stuff we're used to. And I think it personally has made it better. I mean, I love this version that we're doing because it's really clean and not so gimmicky and like, yeah, you know, um, but so, but that's kind of what we do. We sit there and we listen and we have our masks. And then there's also these sort of like, kind of like cellophane partitions that you can see through that exist as like our set. And so every now and then, if we have a scene where we have to sing towards each other, we just put them in between and sing. Um, again, it's like hard to describe, but in this show, in this production, it works really well. It's very easy. In fact, it almost helps tell the story because when theater is done at its best, it's, it's telling real stories about what's really happening and getting to the heart of the matter. And the star of our show is coronavirus. You know what I mean? Like it's like, or actually what it really is, it's the villain of the show. I would say. <laughs> but it's a shared experience between us and the audience that we acknowledge immediately that it's happening. We actually start the show. So I'm sure you both know this, but um, you know how in the beginning of Godspell, they do the Tower of Babel, which is like this, number of philosophers spouting different opinions and then they argue and 
the shofar blows and then they sing prepare you the way of the mm -hmm. Lord. Um, <clears throat> we opted to cut that in this version and replace it with um, handwritten monologues from each actor about how we feel and what we've been going through in, in the pandemic, like short um, little five sentence things, you know, and we stand up and I say, hi, I'm Mike Wartella. Five months ago, I lost my job and my social life. And I just start talking and they, and each person does that. And then at the end of it, it becomes this cacophony and it kind of builds on itself. And that's what cuts through with prepare you. And so it really helps like what every night when I watch this happen, cause I can see the audience cause it's in a tent. Um, I watch as we talk and every audience member at some point is like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Me too. Like they're identifying immediately with what this experience has been for them. So it's a really good springboard to jump into the show and be like, well, here we are. You know, now not only who we are, but what we're going through, what you're going through. We'll, we'll acknowledge these masks. We'll acknowledge these partitions. Sometimes we'll make jokes out of them. You know, sometimes we'll be upset. Um, so it's a, the answer is when people ask me that it's like, it's drastically different acting wise from anything I've done. And yet it kind of has been helpful to recenter me in remembering all the basics of acting. Like it feels a lot like acting school and acting class in that you really just have to tell the story, listen, respond, you know, um, do a lot of work with yourself and with the other actors where you're just sort of emotionally in it and invested without having to rely on the sets and the costumes and the music underscore to get you there, you know? Um, it's really simplistic and beautiful, I think. I think we've seen that in a lot of revivals lately. Whenever you strip it of all the extra flash, you see the content mm -hmm. and what it is. And it just, and you, as an audience member, you leave with a different a knowledge of the show. And so it's really cool that yeah. you guys are getting to do that. Yeah, I'm grateful for that. And that's a great point. I mean, you know, Broadway's so interesting because I feel like there's always room for everything, right? So you want spectacle and you want like simplicity and you want, you know, it distract me from my problems. Come on, get happy. And you mm -hmm. want, let's talk about the problems and cry and be cathartic together. And so it all has its own place, but there's definitely something I've noticed in general, cause I've been in New York now, I think 16, 17 years. So I've watched like a cycle of Broadway shows. And what I've noticed is in general, they tend to be becoming more stripped away and more about the truth because I think the pendulum always swings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've gone to a place now of sort of like painting a glossy facade in front of everything and big sets, big costumes, big lights, beautiful voices, beautiful faces. And now people are getting, audiences are getting hungry for like, okay, but where's Hamilton? Where's Evan Hansen? Where's like, you know, the great comment, like, where are these things that remind us of humanity, you know? Um, and so it's cool. And even the big spectacles are starting to learn how to bring that in so that you get both. You pay for your ticket and you see your money, but you also walk out feeling better for it. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I, yeah. and I think that we're also like in a, we're in like an age where truth is being like uh, attacked, you know, yeah. like, Literally. So people literally are like, no, I want, like, I don't want anything like just, I don't want the yeah. song and dance. I want like actually right. truth. I want to see real things. I want facts. Exactly. I want that kind of, that yeah, experience, which, which I think is interesting. Like, you know, in, in the way that you're all approaching the, the show, you know, kind of tackling the situation at hand, like talking about where we are right now, personally i have like i'm in a phase of 
this experience where I'm like, enough. Like, I don't want to think about it. I'm, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, has that, has that factored into like anyone's personal experience of the show? Is it like, is it difficult to live in coronavirus during the day and then go do, and then, sure. and then dive emotionally into it at night? Like, what's that experience yeah. like? Well, it's, it's been everything, you know, all the things, but um, it's a little bit different up here. I'm not going to lie to you. We keep talking about this as a cast. At times, it almost feels like coronavirus doesn't exist while we're here. And I don't mean that in the sort of weird way that we don't think it really exists. Almost what I mean is it's so rural and it's so sort of like safe and everyone is so spread out and doing their little precautions and being kind that the vibe of fear doesn't exist. You know, we're just like, oh, it's a thing we have to be careful, we have to deal with. So we kind of are lucky enough. And also, we haven't talked about this, but we're all in a bubble. Like, our our job while we're up here is to not interact with the community at all. <laughs> like, we live in one house, one big house together. We all get tested three times a week. We, um, you know, are it's the kind of the same way some of these sports teams are doing it, where we're really in a bubble. And we're not allowed to go to outdoor dining. We're not allowed to go places. So when we interact with the community, it's like at the grocery store or you pick up a coffee outdoors somewhere and keep moving on. Or, um, so we kind of observe it from afar. But what we observe is you know, precaution and safety, but, but like lack of fear in general, which is not the same as New York or a lot of other parts of the country. So on one hand, it's sort of nice for us as people to just be able to like breathe and take a break from it and be like, okay, mm-hmm. We read every day what's going on, but now I can just like live a life here and be present in my own, you know, local community. On the other hand, you can't forget, you know, it's just not possible subconsciously. So what I feel like happens is there's always a level of anxiety that we're ignoring underneath that we're just kind of pushing down. And then we get to the show and it comes up. But the beautiful thing is we get to let it come up and let it be a cathartic moment for us. And we've all talked about, you know, I didn't know Godspell that well before the show. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was fun and funny. I didn't really realize how serious and deep and cathartic it gets in act two. And I was really shocked. And especially at this current time and in the way we're staging it, like most of us are in full on sobbing tears by the end of the show at some point, almost every night. Um, And it's kind of wild. And so it's almost therapeutic in that we get to have that experience every night, really go through it, really think about it and feel it. And then walk away and say, okay, what are we having for dinner? You know? it's weird, but, but also, yes, there's, there's been that everyone has their own different opinion about it. And you know, the monologues are tough because even though they're written from our own experience, they're also slanted to be able to tell this story in conflict and whatnot. So, so we don't include the positivity. Like I don't say in my monologue, you know, I've actually kind of reconnected with my kid. Like sure. <laughs> it's not, it's not part of the show. And so there's a little bit of this forced element of that. Um, but also most of act one, I mean, this is why it's a good show act one becomes about distraction. Act one becomes about a group of people saying, let me lift out of my problems. Let me find some joy, find some laughter, find some love and, you know, goof around. Um, So we get a little bit of both. We get to kind of rest from it as well as dive into it, you know. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. yeah <laughs> what has it been like uh, not having any time away from your coworkers? <laughs> it, it's just, I mean, because, it's like any time... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's just like it's such a you know when you're for when you're working in the city, it like is so nice to like work with your coworker at at night and then like get on the same subway and like just not just disconnect. You like have left work. I don't have to. You know what I mean? It's I like know, it's true. So what is it like to just like work, live, not have any other social interaction? Like, it's funny you say that because I actually your your response changed my response in that um, it's good and bad. Obviously, it reminds me of any kind of big regional thing I've ever done or any kind of tour where you just kind of become this weird little. And this one more so than most because we're in one house it's like the real world, like it's, or big brother. It's literally mm-hmm. like a reality yeah. show where they're just living. And we're like, well, like James stole my this. And like, did you hear what like Jessica did? And like, you know, these are not real people, of course, by the way. Um, and like, you know, it gets James kind of like- James and Jessica. Jessica. Yeah. But it's also like, so there's that element, but it's also a total departure from like your real life in that, we haven't socialized in six months, you know, in a big way. And here we are a group of young actors who all share the same values and, and love each other and are getting along, getting to hang out every night and like have a drink and play music. And, you know, we've been starved for it. So it's actually been incredibly beautiful and like really bonding for us all as a group. It has the normal sort of BS that I also think, dissolves a little bit more now because of where our country is and our world mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. we just don't give a shit as much anymore pardon my language um yeah you know and we let it go but it's mostly been fun and beautiful and actually what you were saying reminded me that i've done both over the years i've done tours and regional and then i've done broadway and i actually get kind of sad about the broadway stuff because they're not as close mm. like we're not as close in broadway shows as you are in other shows now, on yeah. one hand, that's cool because I've lived a long enough life to know that like, it's sort of fake close to begin with. Like you're sort of only as close as you, you, what? You take two or three real friends with you from each show if you're lucky yeah. mm-hmm. that you really yes. talk to and everyone else becomes a fun acquaintance that you run into and like, but like you just don't get super close with. Right. Um, so it is nice to be able to walk away and go do, to your house and be with your people and your family. But on the other hand, it makes the project a little more like a job. And it starts to feel a little bit more like stagnant and, and it kind of feeds into this world that we live in, in my opinion, that's a disconnect where we're all on our phones and like headphones, like, don't talk to me. And I'm just going to play Candy Crush and um, in the dressing room or, you know, like it's weird. And so doing something like this is kind of a nice return to 
human values, even if there's conflict, even if we can't stand each other, sometimes we get through it. It's like yeah. a family. We just deal with it. You know, and you, I'm also like, aware that when it ends in a week, we'll be like, okay, bye. That was that. <laughs> It'll just be this weird dream that happened. <laughs> it does. I think it'll feel, feel, feel like um, a tribe almost from you. I bet you'll come out from this with strong, with more connections with these people than other contracts. I think probably because yeah. you, you yeah. lived through so much together, but who knows? Yeah. Like, yeah. Nah. I think you're right. That's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, that is, that is a, it, it, I, that's an interesting point. I mean that, yeah. you know, it, it, I think it is, there's a lot of truth to the fact that like working on Broadway definitely feels like a, a job. It feels like mm-hmm. kind of a nine to five. A lot of the time, like you clock yeah. in, you clock out. Um, and I'm sure that everyone has been, um, aching to have petty fights with people. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, it's true in person. That's, that's, uh, we miss it all. I mean, it, it just, you said that like, it's not to knock Broadway by any means because it's the love of my life, but, but it's true in that people don't understand this. And I try to explain it to them where it kind of starts from the top down. Mm-hmm. in the sense that even the greatest of producers and the most wonderful creative teams, Broadway is a huge business. It's a huge corporate money-making million dollar business. And there are stakes. There's like really high stakes. And so they know that. And then they cast us and we know that. So we're scared to prove our seat every day in the room. We're scared to make sure the show runs every day. And fear has no place in art, like at all. And unfortunately, it's a very real thing that I know that the feeling of, uh, you know, for um, rehearsing a Broadway show has a little bit of like a pulled up, like, okay, here we go. Today, I'm going to be on. It's, oh, what about this idea? You like this idea? Like, there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of proving yourself that happens, whereas regionally, I always feel like it just goes, hey, what if we do, I don't know, this? And it just becomes this creative, zany process. And sometimes it means the work's better. Sometimes it doesn't. But it's tough. I think that's the hardest thing on Broadway for all of us, especially as actors, to deal with is how do we keep that fearless mentality all the time, even though we know that the suits above us are like, okay, well, don't be bad because we got to make millions of dollars. <laughs> you know, it's tough. Yeah. Um, now, you, you talked a lot about like the, you know, the the kind of surprises of the experience what's been different now i'm gonna ask a little bit of a negative question when when this is over what are you not going to want to ever do again that has that you've had to do with this process you know what i mean like sure what's changed that you're like not for me you're gonna be surprised and i don't share the same opinion as everybody but i actually don't think there's anything major that i would say really yeah because this is like really cheesy, but it's true. I've been working for so many years now and it's been great, but it's like that old cliche thing of like the more you work and the more successful you become, the more bitter and jaded you become. And that's just kind of where I've been going. By the time I got to Charlie, when we were working together, I was like genuinely in it for kind of all the wrong reasons. And I didn't even know Mm. I was in it to do the blog and to be on Instagram and to like, you know, sign the autographs and like all that, that was what was clouding my psyche every day. And only a little bit of time. I was like, oh yeah, the show. And I knew it and I felt something was off, but I couldn't change it. And I was unhappy. Like I wasn't thrilled to be there every day, even though it should have been this amazing experience. And I needed like a cleanse and a return to basic values. 
And this has created that. I'm literally in a tent in a gravel parking lot on a small stage playing to an audience of 50 people with a three-piece band behind me. Like the, the, the conditions and the quality couldn't be any less like Broadway. But the stage is full of Broadway talent and Broadway talent that's like hungry to speak and sing and perform after all this time. And so I'm here in my hometown having another full circle moment where I'm like, the tent reminds me of the tents I played under at Barrington Stage when I was 14, falling in love with Broadway. And the small audiences remind me of how I wanted to tell bigger stories. And this incredible talent next to me inspires me to want to be better myself. And, you know, working with certain people and stuff on the creative team here and there, it's like, yeah, that's a pain in the ass. Like there's like, <laughs> there's like also moments where I'm like, okay, I've worked a lot of years. I've learned a lot of things. And like, that ain't it kid. You know, so that's like a part of it. But, but for me, it was actually this thing of helping me realize, like, I don't care anymore how big the role is, how much I'm making, what's my dressing room like. I just want to do this. I want to do this now more than ever when we get a chance to in the future and shout it from the mountaintops because I care about truth. I care about telling those stories. I care about being seen and being heard and having others feel like they're seen and heard. Um, so that's one thing. And I know what you're talking about too, in terms of the coronavirus procedure experience. Like, has there been anything about, you know, getting a swab up my brain three times a week that I'd be like, <laughs> no, I can't do this again, you know? And the reality is not really because it's because of what I just said, it's the sacrifices I'm willing to make to get to do what I have to do. Um, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging because it's sort of emotionally draining but I think anything I'd be doing in my life right now would feel that way too. And the tests suck three times a week, but they're manageable and you get used to them and the whole cast has gotten used to them. The protocols on stage are tricky to wrap your head around, but once you do, it's like learning a new vocabulary of upstage, downstage, cross and front, like you just get it. Um, and the caliber of you know, stuff around me is just reminding me to always be at my best. So I don't think there's really been anything in fact, if anything, I've always said that the way we could improve on this model is to get even tighter. Because I think if actors, some actors are not going to want to do this. And some actors even did turn down this production. Do you know what I mean? And I think there's even one or two in our cast who now that they've experienced it would be like, I'm good, too much. It's too hard. And I think that's great, like to each their own. But I also think that if actors are aware of the conditions before they step in, if they're really laid out in front of them and they say, this is what you're giving up. You're not going to see your family. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And they're ready for it. If we had really tight protocols, we could get to the point where we could do a totally contact musical with kissing and hugging and sweating and all that jazz, because we could isolate in a quarantine in a safe way and have things delivered to us and whatever that would pretty much, you know, as much as best anyone can, it would guarantee our safety and the safety of the audience and we could do it. Now in New York, probably not, you know, there's just too much contact. I mean, you cross the street from your hotel to the theater yeah. and who knows what the hell, yeah. but, um, but there's a lot of theater in this country and in this world and there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I think we could kind of build on this and in a really safe way, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that the, um, I love, I love that, um, that that's kind of what you've taken from this. I mean, that's really, I think that's going to be encouraging for a lot of people to hear. I think a lot of people are kind of like feeling yeah. a little bit like, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Like how will things yeah. work again? Like, 
And I so I think that that's encouraging to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it goes back a little bit to what we said in the beginning about our country's history. It feels to me a little bit doomsday right now because we're in it and we're like, yeah. it's never going to happen again. But most likely, if you look at the facts and nobody knows, in a couple years, we'll be up and running. Yeah. You know what I mean? In some capacity, probably in the old capacity where we'll all be back on Broadway, like in theaters, maskless, doing our thing. Like there's, there's a good chance that that will happen or it'll look different. Maybe it'll be socially distanced with some masks or, you know, who knows how it'll work. But I sort of have faith that eventually we're all going to get to be back on stage and we're going to get to tell stories that are different this time. And if anything, if you look at how, how performance reflects society, every time there's a crisis, artists rise to the occasion and we yeah. speak to it and we fill in the void and, and help the masses out of the pain. And I think there's going to be a call to arms. There already is more so than ever. And when we're allowed to speak again, like you better watch out because it's going to be amazing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's definitely like feeling like the, the beginnings of like a Renaissance that yeah. we're going to uh, yeah. be a part of socially, you know, socially, artistically, all this kind of stuff Truly. is, uh, is, is really hmm. exciting right now. And yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm wearing masks forever. I yeah, can't right? believe I, I like let people it. breathe on me before. <laughs> <laughs> like sure. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm covering up. You know, get some cute ones. No, no, exactly. Um, These are my God's ones. Um, so usually we'd play a game here, but I have some more, a couple intense questions. Are you ready for those? I'm ready. Cool. Um, so, say you have, do you, uh, do you have a car in the city at all or anything? No. No. Okay. No. So I would love it. So imagine you have a, a big uh, pickup truck and you have the rear okay. window graphic uh, decal tint sticker. Um, would you want the bald eagle with the U.S. flag, some wild horses, flaming skull, or Lisa Frank uh, underwater scene for your, uh, your tinted window? <laughs> Those are my only options. <laughs> only options, yeah. <laughs> well, I think the hand tats will indicate that I'll probably go with the flaming skull. <laughs> Totally. Even though even that would be like incredibly cliche and horrible. Tint. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, no, I, I can't even imagine having the pickup truck in the first place, but but that's hilarious. Yeah, definitely not definitely not the bald eagle situation. I'm good with that. Elliot, what kind of uh, in, Lisa uh Frank. what kind of tinted window would you get, Elliot? Uh well I yeah. think my purple hair will tell you um, yeah. that I would get the uh the skull as well no i'm just kidding okay, yeah, I, the, yeah, I love it the uh, the lisa frank for sure all right but see i could see those swapped easily like i would be happy with the lisa frank you know? yeah and i bet but, you would rock the skull yeah but also like i i made a decision like a long time ago like when i did have a car like i wasn't a bumper sticker kind of person yeah like, I, that wasn't yeah, no. the that wasn't my vibe so um not applicable oh sure yeah. no this yeah. is like the back window like it's completely a no i know cow. like I like know Midwest decal. Indiana, like but that is a that is a sticker, <laughs> oh, and sure. it's big, for sure. Yeah. So okay, our next um, intense question we have: Would you rather be in a tent in the woods, the desert, or on the beach? Oh, in the woods, the desert, and the beach. Uh, yeah, I mean the beach because the beach has a little desert vibe as well, mm -hmm. but it's got the beach. Exactly, that would be beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Elliot, which one intent would you be? Probably, probably the woods. You, mosquitoes and all. I like a jacket. You know, I'm. I, 
I want it to be cooler. So the other options are too hot. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, going with um, TP tense, um, are you into Charmin, Co- uh, Cottonelle, Scott, or uh, Angelsoft? Charmin? I have to picture them. Charmin, Cottonelle, Scott, or Angelsoft. I think, I think Scott. I don't like them too like fluffy and linty. It's weird. Oh, you, know? you see, I was going to say Scott is my least favorite. I am like Charmin oh, sure. extra plush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's too, it's too weird for me. I like the, I like the one ply, you know, cardboard <laughs> situation. Just give, me a, just give me a leaf. Just give me a ply. <laughs> what you got? You got a ply for me there? Yeah, no, I'll just take a ply. Just one. Just one. Just one. Hot. Just the one. Oh, oh, that's God. good. Take it out. Take it out. That's good. <laughs> Okay, um, oh, this God. is for um, wig wom. Um, so <laughs> if you ever had a, a, a wig um, mishap moment where it was like wom 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 on stage. <laughs> oh my God. Elliot, I know you have a good wig one, but yeah. Mikey, Mike, do you have any good uh, wig mishaps on stage? <laughs> I think, Elliot, did you see it when we were in tech and I did the Pratt Falls in Act Two with Mike TV and it completely came off. Oh, just off. Like I like fell and it was like, Poof. and I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My mine was in Charlie too, which is a lot of magnets in that show. So uh, first preview, just one of the Oompa feet just came off my shoulders and took my wig right off with me. <laughs> God, <I love> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last question is, um, you're kind of living through it now, right now. But um, in your whole career, when was your I can't believe this is my job moment? Mm, mm, mm. A couple stick out. I'm trying to think. It wasn't really this one, even though this has been bizarre. <clears throat> Actually, it was one. The one that keeps sticking out is it really was one of the good moments of Charlie, where I would sort of tap in every time to like what we talked about, and it was every time we sang "Pure Imagination," and we would just turn out as a group and go, "There is no life I know to compare with your imagination," and I would just like look at the audience and take it in and be like holy shit, like I'm on Broadway in this classic story show, playing a character, singing pure imagination to thousands of people every day and they just pay me and I've done it. I've done what I said I was gonna do. Like, it's just like, I would cry like almost every night. And also that song in particular is such a thing because to me, I've said this before, but to me being an artist is a lifestyle. It's not always just a job. It's a quest for truth. It's a, it's a quest to better yourself and to better others and to like help us all succeed through love. And so pure imagination to me, like that line, like there is no life I know to compare with pure imagination. Like it was so visceral to me. And I always just thought it was so beautiful. So yeah, that was it. <laughs> totally. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on and talking with us for about me. your experience. You and, oh my God, it's... It's our pleasure. Uh, where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you? Oh, I just watched The Social Dilemma, so I'm thinking I might start deleting it all. <laughs> <laughs> but as of now, I'm still currently there. At, it's like at Mike Wartella on everything, you know, Twitter. And well, wait, before, well you, brought, you dropped that bombshell. So wait, yeah. Caleb, have you we'll seen see. it? We'll see. I haven't <laughs> seen it. No, is it on Netflix? It, it yeah, is. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Oh gosh. Pretty wild. Okay, okay. I knew all that stuff anyway, but it was like yeah. a good reminder to be like, yeah, maybe it's time, at least for me, to kind of stop looking at it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I, I, we'll I, uh, 
I, I could have done without some of the like scene work, but yeah, just... was that. I forgot about that part. I was like, what are they doing here? There's what a, is this? It, yeah, it's very strange. Uh, but I understood <laughs> what they were doing, but um, yeah, I forgot about that. You know, I'm happy for everyone to have work, but yeah, me too, that, me too, me too. Yeah, the, the kid is really nailing it. Could have done with a, a few less uh, vignettes. Absolutely. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. you can uh, you can find the podcast at Equity One Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and at Equity One underscore on Twitter. Uh, send us yeah. an email at Equity One Podcast at gmail and hop onto the iTunes app and give us a five star rate and review, please. Yeah, um, Caleb, where can people find you? Uh, Caleb Dickey on everything, and Elliot, how about you? And I'm at Elliot Maddox on everything. And until next time, cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.